Section 43 of The Dream of the Red Chamber, Book 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Dream of the Red Chamber, Book 2, by Chiao Shu Qin. Translated by Henry Bancroft Jolie. Chapter 46, Part 2. Ping Er and Jiren speedily motioned to her to sit down. But Yuan Yang's sister-in-law demurred. Young ladies, pray be seated. I've come in search of our girl to tell her something. Jiren and Ping Er feigned perfect ignorance. What can it be that is so pressing? They said with a smile. You were engaged in guessing puns here, so let's find out this before you go. What do you want to tell me? Yuan Yang inquired. Speak out. Follow me, her sister-in-law laughed. When we get over there, I will tell you. It's really some good tidings. Is it perchance what Madame Singh has told you? Yuan Yang asked. Since you, miss, know what it's all about, her sister-in-law added smilingly, what else remains for me to do? Be quick and come with me, and I'll explain everything. Reverently is a piece of happiness as large as the heavens. Yuan Yang at these words rose to her feet and spat contemptuously with all her might in her sister's-in-law's face, pointing at her. Be quick, she cried abusively, and stop that filthy tongue of yours. It would be ever so much better were you to bundle yourself away from this. What good tidings and what piece of happiness. Little wonder is it that you long and crave the whole day long to see other people's daughter turned into a secondary wife as one and all of your family would rely upon her to act contrary to reason and right. A whole household has been converted into secondary wives. But the sight fills you with such keen jealousy that you would like to also lay hold of me and throw me into the pit fire. If any honors fall to my share, all of you outside will do everything disorderly and improper, and raise yourselves, in your own estimations, to the status of uncles and aunts. But if I don't get any and come to grief, you'll draw in your foul necks and let me live or die as I please. While indulging in this raillery, she gave vent to tears. Ping Er and Jiren did all they could to reason with her so as to prevent her from crying. Her sister-in-law felt quite out of countenance. Whether you mean to accept the proposal or not, she consequently said, you can anyhow speak nicely. It isn't worth the while dragging this one in and involving that one. The proverb adequately says, In the presence of a dwarf, one mustn't speak of dwarfish things. Here you have been heaping insult upon me, but I didn't presume to retaliate. These two young ladies have, however, given you no provocation whatever. And yet, by referring as you have done, in this way and that way, to secondary wives, how can people stand it peacefully? You shouldn't speak so, Jiren and Pingna quickly remonstrated. She didn't allude to us, so don't be implicating others. Have you heard of any ladies or gentlemen who'd like to raise us to the rank of secondary wives? What's more, we too have neither father nor mother nor brothers within these doors to avail ourselves of our positions to act in a way contrary to right and reason. If she abuses people, let her do so. 
it isn't worth our while to be touchy. Seeing, Yuan Yuan resumed, that the abuse I have heaped upon her head has put her to such shame that she doesn't know where to go and scream her face. She tries to egg you two on. But you two have, fortunately, your wits about you. Though quite impatient, I never started arguing the question. She, it was who chose to speak just now. Her sister-in-law felt inwardly much disconcerted and beat a retreat in high dudgeon. But Yuan Yang so lost her temper that she still went on to abuse her. And it was only after Pinger and Jiren had admonished her for ever so long that she let the matter drop. What were you hiding there for? Pinger then asked Jiren. We couldn't see any of you. I went, Jiren explained, into Miss Quarter's room to see our Mr. Bao Yu. But who'd have thought it? I got there a little too late. And they told me that he had gone home. But my suspicions were, however, aroused as I couldn't make out how it was that I hadn't come across him. And I was about to go and hunt him up in Miss Lin's apartments when I met one of her servants who said that he hadn't been there either. Then, just as I was surmising that he must have gone out of the garden, behold, you came, as luck would have it, from the opposite direction. But I dodged you, so you didn't see anything of me. Subsequently, she too appeared on the scene, but I got behind the boulder from the back of these trees. I, however, saw that you two had come to have a chat. Strange to say, though you have four eyes between you, you never caught a glimpse of me. Scarcely had she concluded this remark, than they heard someone else from behind laughingly exclaim, Four eyes never saw you, but your six eyes haven't as yet found me out. The three girls received quite a shock from fright. But turning round, they perceived that it was no other person than Bao Yu. Jiren smiled and was the first to speak. You've made me have a good search, she said. Where do you hail from? I was just leaving Cousin Quarters. Bao Yu laughed when I noticed you coming along just in front of me. And knowing well enough that you were bent upon finding me, I concealed myself to have a luck with you. I saw you then go by, with uplifted head, enter the court, walked out again, and asked everyone you met on your way. But there I stood convulsed with laughter. I was only waiting to rush up to you and frighten you, when I afterwards realized that you two were prowling stealthily about, so I readily inferred that you also were playing a trick upon someone. Then when I put out my head and looked before me, I saw that it was these two girls. So I came behind you by a circuitous way, and as soon as you left, I forthwith sneaked into your hiding place. Let's go and look behind there, Pinger suggested lovingly. We may possibly discover another couple. There's no saying. There's no one else. Bao Yu laughed. Yunyang had long ago concluded that every word of their conversation had been overheard by Bao Yu. But leaning against the rock, she pretended to be fast asleep. Bao Yu gave her a push. This stone is cold, he smiled. Let's go and sleep in our rooms. Won't it be better there? Saying this, he made an attempt to pull Yuan Yang to her feet. 
then hastily pressing Pinger to repair to his quarters and have some tea. He united his efforts with those of Zhiyuan and tried to induce Yuan Yang to come away. Yuan Yang at length got up and the quartet betook themselves, after all, into the Yihong court. Bao Yu had caught every word that had fallen from their lips a few minutes back and felt indeed at heart so much distressed on Yuan Yang's behalf that throwing himself silently on his bed, he left the three girls in the outer rooms to prosecute their chat and laugh. On the other side of the compound, Madame Singh about this time inquired of Lady Feng who Yin Yuang's father was. Her father, Lady Feng replied, is called Jin Chai. He and his wife are in Nanking. They have to look after our houses there, so they can pay frequent visits to the capital. Her brother is Wen Xiang, who acts at present as our senior's accountant. But her sister-in-law, too, is employed in our worthy ancestors yonder as head washerwoman. Madame Xin thereupon dispatched a servant to go and call Yuan Yang's sister-in-law. On Mrs. Jin Wenxiang's arrival, she told her all. Mrs. Jin was naturally pleased and left in capital spirits to find Yuan Yang in the hope that the moment she communicated the offer to her, the whole thing would be satisfactorily arranged. But contrary to all her anticipations, she had to bear a good blowing up from Yuan Yang and to be told several unpleasant things by Jiren and Ping Er, so that she was filled with as much shame as indignation. She then came and reported the result to Madame Sin. It's no use, she said. She gave me a scolding. But as Lady Feng was standing by, she could not summon up courage enough to allude to Ping Er. So she added, Jiren too helped her to rate me, and they told me a whole lot of improper words, which could not be breathed in a mistress' ears. It would thus be better to arrange with our master to purchase a girl, and have done. For from all I see, neither can that mean vixen enjoy such great good fortune, nor we such vast propitious luck. What's that again to do with Jiren? How came they to know anything about it? Madame Singh exclaimed upon learning the issue, who else was present? She proceeded to inquire. There was Miss Ping, was Jin's wife's reply. Shouldn't you have given her a slap on the mouth? Lady Feng precipitately shouted. As soon as I ever put my foot outside the door, she starts getting about. And I never see so much as her shadow when I get home. She too is bound to have had a hand in telling you something or other. Miss Ping wasn't present. Jin's wife protested. Looking from a distance, it seemed to me like her, but I couldn't see distinctly. It was a mere surmise on my part that it was she at all. Go and fetch her at once, Lady Feng shouted to a servant. Tell her that I've come home, and that Madame Singh is also here, and wants her to help her in her hurry. Feng Er quickly came up to her. Miss Lin, she observed, dispatched a messenger for her and asked her in writing three and four times before she at last went. I advised her to get back so soon as your ladyship stepped inside the gate. But tell your mistress, Miss Lin said, that I've put her to the inconvenience of coming around, as I've got something for her to do for me.
This explanation satisfied Lady Feng, and she let the matter drop. What has she got to do? She purposely went on to ask that she would trouble her day after day. Madame Singh was driven to her wit's ends. As soon as the meal was over, she returned home, and in the evening she communicated to Jia She the result of her errand. After some reflection, Jia She promptly summoned Jia Lin. There are other people in Nanking to look after our property, he told him on his arrival. There's not only one family, so be quick and appealed someone to go and summon Jin Chai to come up to the capital. Last night, a letter arrived from Nanking, Jia Lin rejoined, to the effect that Jin Chai had been suffering from some phlegm obstruction in the channels of the heart. So a coffin and money were allowed from the other mansion. Whether he be dead or alive now, I don't know. But even if alive, he must have lost all consciousness. It would therefore be a fruitless errand to send for him. His wife, on the other hand, is quite deaf. Hearing this, Jia She gave vent to an exclamation of reproof, and next launched into abuse. You stupid and unreasonable rascal, he shouted. Is it you of all people who are up to those things? Don't you yet bundle yourself off from my presence? Jia Lin withdrew out of the room in a state of trepidation. But in a short while, Jia She gave order to call Jin Wenxiang. Jia Lin, meanwhile, remained in the outer study, for as he neither ventured to go home nor presumed to face his father, his only alternative was to tarry behind. Presently, Jin Wenxiang arrived. The servant lads led him straightway past the second gate, and he only came out again and took his departure after sufficient time had elapsed to enable one to have four or five meals in. Jia Lin could not for long summon up courage enough to ask what was up. But when he found out after a time that Jia She had gone to sleep, he eventually crossed over to his quarters. In the course of the evening, Lady Feng told him the whole story. Then at last he understood the meaning of the excitement. But to revert to Yuan Yang, she did not get the whole night a wink of sleep. On the morrow, her brother reported to Dowager Lady Jia that he would like to take her home on a visit. Dowager Lady Jia accorded her consent and told her she could go and see her people. Yuan Yang, however, would have rather preferred to stay where she was. But the fear lest her old mistress should give way to suspicion placed her under the necessity of going, much against her own inclinations, though it was. The brother then had no cause but to lay before her Jia She's proposal and all his promises that she would occupy an honorable position, and that she would be a secondary wife, with control in the house. But Yuan Yang was so persistent in her refusal that her brother was quite nonplussed, as he was compelled to return and inform Jia She. Jia She flew into a dreadful passion. I'll tell you what, he shouted. Bid your wife go and tell her that I say that she must like the goddess Chang'e, herself who has from olden times shown a predilection for young people, only despised me for being advanced in years, that as far as I can see, she must be hankering after some young man, that it must most likely 
be Pao Yu, but probably Ling Er too. If she fosters these affections, warn her to at once set them at rest, for she should not come when I am ready to have her, who will by and by venture to take her. This is the first thing. Should she imagine in the next place that because our venerable senior is fond of her, she may in the future be engaged to be married in the orthodox way? Tell her to consider carefully that she won't very well be able to escape my grip, no matter in what family she may marry. That is only in case of her dying or of her not wedding anyone throughout her life that I shall submit to her decision. Under other circumstances, urge her to seize the first opportunity and change her mind, as she will come in for many benefits. To every remark that Zha She uttered, Jin Wenxiang acquiesced. Yes, he said. Mind you, don't humbug me, Zha She observed. I shall tomorrow send again your mistress around to ask Yuan Yang if you two have spoken to her and she hasn't given a favorable answer, well, then no blame will fall on you. But if she does assent, when she broaches the subject with her, look out for your heads. Jin Wenxiang eagerly expressed his obedience over and over again, and withdrawing out of the room, he retraced his footsteps homeward. Nor did he have the patience to wait until he could commission his womankind to speak to her. Indeed, he went in person and told her face to face the injunctions entrusted to him. Yuan Yang was incensed to such a degree that she was at a loss what reply to make. I'm quite ready to go, she rejoined, after some cogitation, but you people must take me before my old mistress first and let me tell her something about it. Her brother and sister-in-law flattered themselves that Reflection had induced her to alter her previous decision, and they were both immeasurably delighted. Her sister-in-law there and then led her into the upper quarters and ushered her into the presence of old Lady Jia. As luck would have it, Madame Wang, Mrs. Xie, Li Wen, Lady Feng, Bao Chai, and the other girls were, together with several respectable outside married women who acted as housekeepers, having some fun with old lady Jia. Yuan Yuan observed where her mistress was seated, and hastily dragging her sister-in-law before her, she fell on her knees, and explained to her, with tears in her eyes, what proposal Madame Singh had made to her, what her sister-in-law, who lived in the garden, had told her, and what message her brother had recently conveyed to her. As I would not accept his advances, she continued, our senior master has just now gone so far as to insinuate that I was violently attached to Bao Yu, or if that wasn't the case, my object was to gain time so as to espouse someone outside. That, were I even to go up to the very heavens, I couldn't, during my lifetime, escape his clutches, and that he would, in the long run, wreak his vengeance on me. I have obstinately made up my mind. So I may state in the presence of all of you here that I will under no circumstances marry as long as I live any man whatsoever, not to speak of his being a Bao Yu, that is, precious jade, but even a Bao Jin, that is, precious gold, a Bao Yin, that is, precious silver, a Bao Tian Wang, that is, precious lot of heaven, 
or about Huang Di, that is, precious emperor, and have done. Were even your venerable ladyship to press me to take such a step, I couldn't comply with your commands, though you may threaten to cut my throat with a sword. I'm quite prepared to wait upon your ladyship till you depart this life. But go with my father, mother, or brother. I won't. I'll either commit suicide or cut my hair off and go and become a nun. If you fancy that I'm not in earnest and that I'm temporarily using this language to put you off, may as surely as heaven, earth, the spirit, the sun, and moon look upon me, my throat be covered with boils. Yuan Yang had, in fact, upon entering the room, brought along a pair of scissors concealed in her sleeve. And while she spoke, she drew her hand back, and dishevelling her tresses, she began to clip them. When the matrons and wedding maids saw what she was up to, they hurriedly did everything they could to induce her to desist from her purpose. But already half of her locks had gone. And when they found on close inspection that with the thick crop of hair she happily had, she had not succeeded in cutting it all, they immediately dressed it up for her. Upon hearing of Zhao She's designs, Dao Li Zhao was provoked to displeasure. Her whole body trembled and shook. Of all the attendants I've had, she cried, there only remains this single one upon whom I can depend. And now they want to conspire and carry her off. Noticing then, Madame Wang, standing close to her, she turned herself towards her. All you people really know is to impose upon me, she resumed. Outwardly, you display filial devotion, but secretly, you plot and scheme against me. If I have aught that's worth having, you come and dun me for it. If I have anyone who is nice, you come and ask for her. What's left to me is this low waiting maid, but as you see that she serves me faithfully, you naturally can't stand it. And you are doing your utmost to estrange her from me, so as to be the better able to play your tricks upon me. Madame Wang quickly rose to her feet. She did not, however, dare to return a single syllable in self-defense. Mrs. Cher noticed that Madame Wang herself came in for her share of blame, and she did not feel as if she could any longer make an attempt to turn the words of advice. Li Wen, the moment she heard Yuan Yang speak in the strain she did, seized an early opportunity to lead the young ladies out of the room. Tan Chen was a girl with plenty of common sense, so reflecting within herself that Madame Wang could not, in spite of the insult heaped upon her, very well presume to say anything to exculpate herself. That Mrs. Cher could not, of course, in the position of sister, bring forward any arguments. That Bao Chai was unable to explain things on behalf of her maternal aunt. And that Li Wen, Lady Feng, or Bao Yu could still less take upon themselves the right of censorship, she thought the opportunity rendered necessary the services of a daughter. But as Yin Chun was so quiet, and Si Chun so young, she consequently walked in. No sooner did she overhear from outside the window what was said inside, and forcing a smile, she addressed herself to her grandmother. How does this matter concern Madame Wang, my mother? she interposed. 
Venerable senior, just consider. This is a matter affecting her husband's eldest brother. And how could she, a junior sister-in-law, know anything about it? But before she had exhausted all her arguments, Dr. Lady Zhao's countenance thawed into a smile. I've really grown stupid from old age, she exclaimed. Mrs. She, don't make fun of me. This eldest sister of yours is most reverent to me, and so unlike that senior lady of mine, who only knows how to regard her lot and master, and to simply do things for the mere sake of appearances when she deals with her mother-in-law. I've therefore done her a wrong. Mrs. She confined her reply to a yes. Dear senior, you are so full of prejudices, she afterwards observed, that you love your youngest son's wife more than any one of the others. But it's quite natural. I have no prejudices, only the child protested. Pao Yu, she then proceeded, I unjustly found fault with your mother, but how was it that even you didn't tell me anything, but that you looked on while she was having her feelings trampled upon? Could I, smiled Pao Yu, have taken my mother's part and run down my senior uncle and aunt? If my mother did not bear the whole blame, upon whom could she throw it? And had I admitted that it was I who was entirely at fault, you, venerable ancestor, wouldn't have believed me. What you say is quite reasonable, his grandmother laughed. So be quick and fall on your knees before your mother and tell her, Mother, don't feel aggrieved. Our old lady is so advanced in years. Do it for Pao Yu's sake. At this suggestion, Pao Yu hastily crossed over and dropping on his knees, he was about to open his lips when Madame Wang lovingly pulled him up. Get up, she cried, at once. This won't do at all. Is it likely, pray, that you will tend apologies to me on behalf of our venerable ancestor? Hearing this, Pao Yu promptly stood up. Even that girl Feng didn't call me to my senses. Dr. Lady Zhao smiled again. I don't lay a word to your charge, worthy senior, Lady Feng remarked smilingly, and yet you brand me with reproach. This rejoinder amused Dr. Lady Zhao. This is indeed strange, she said to all around, but I'd like to listen to these charges. Who told you, dear senior, Lady Feng resumed, to look after your attendants so well? and lavish such care on them as to make them plump and fine as water onions. However can you therefore bear people a grouch if they ask for her hand? I am, lucky for you, your grandson's wife. For were I your grandson, I would long ere this have proposed to her. Would I have ever waited up to the present? Is this any fault of mine? Dr. Lady Zhao laughed. Of course it's your fault. Venerable senior, Lady Feng retorted with a smile. Well, in that case, I too don't want her. Only the child proceeded laughing. Take her away, and have done. Wait until I go through this existence, Lady Feng responded. And in the life to come, I'll assume the form of a man and apply for her hand. Take her along, Dr. Lady Zhao laughed, and give her to Ling Er to attach to his apartments. And we'll see whether that bare-faced father-in-law of yours will still wish to have her or not. Ling Er is not a match for her, Lady Feng added. He's only a fit mate for such as myself and Ping Er. 
a pair of loutish bumpkins like us to have anything to do with such a one as herself. At this rejoinder, they all exploded into a hearty fit of laughter. But the wedding maid thereupon announced, Our senior lady has come. So Madame Wong immediately quitted the room to go and meet her. But any further particulars which you, reader, may like to know will be given in the following chapter. So listen to it. End of section 43.